Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. You know, whenever someone kind of doesn't sucker punch you, but they give you really blunt feedback on like, you were just not this person. This is something you're not going to do well at. It's hard to take that. And so a big part of my personal growth is I think about, you know, where's our business going and how do we get to the next 18 years and continue to grow and expand the brand? Um, There are roles where I am uniquely suited and there are roles where I'm uniquely unqualified. And I think the thing that got us here, you know, is not going to be what gets us to the next stage. And there are things I have to let go of to let people who are better suited take them over. This is the Business Leadership Podcast, and I'm your host, Edwin Frondozo. Welcome. How are you doing today? Thank you for taking the time to join me. I really appreciate you. My guest today is Mark Rickmeyer. He's the Chief Executive Officer at TableXI, which is a UX research design and software development company based out of Chicago. Over the past 18 years, he has created more than 100 mobile apps, custom-built web applications, and intuitive user experiences for companies like Tyson Foods, Discover, AccuWeather, and the Field Museum. He is the founder of OpsConf, which brings together a global community of software companies to share insights and swap ideas on how to effectively run a consulting organization. In our conversation, we discuss many things, including the value of assessing your strengths and weaknesses. We talk about Walkshop, which is an experience that he co-founded that promotes leadership and development by dedicating time to go off the grid with your peers, get off your feet, and, and go for fun excursions in places like Europe. We talk about the sticky note game that he authored, which is a process designed to improve employee engagement and career growth. Today's episode is brought to you by Slingshot, a leader in business VoIP solutions that empowers the emerging business leader to focus on their core competencies while ensuring their communications infrastructure is aligned with their vision of the future. Slingshot, VoIP solution that understands the needs of the emerging business leaders. With that, here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Mark. Thank you very much for having me. No, I'm Actually, super excited to have you for just a quick note to our listeners. This is our second try at this. Um, uh, Mark and I actually tried to connect a couple of days ago, but something was in the air or in the internet, and we just just couldn't just couldn't get it to go. So we, <laughs> as as Mark, I'm sure you know, as the good business leaders, we decided right away that let's just not even talk. And yeah. reschedule. So <laughs> we're agile, right? We can reschedule these things and adapt. Uh, yeah, uh, the yeah. internet was broken that day. I take no, I take no credit for that. Something broke. Mm-hmm. Um, so really excited to actually finally get to have this chance to have a conversation. But Mark, maybe best thing to do is if you could introduce yourself to our listeners today. And what I like to do is maybe start off by sharing who you are personally when you're not growing or scaling a company. Sure. Uh, so let's see. My name is Mark Rickmeyer. I live here in Chicago. At least I say I live in Chicago now. Um, there was a period of time there where I was traveling and living uh, about the place quite often. So my wife and I lived 
Uh, we actually met in England together. Um, uh, we lived in India for a bit. We lived in Australia for a bit, which was timed wonderfully that we left in November. So we had Chicago summer. We had summer in Melbourne. We came back at summer again. We just, just did not have winter there for a while. Um, and then, yeah, it was actually the day we were opening up. I found out I was going to be opening up my Germany office from my last company. It was literally the exact same day that my wife found out she was pregnant, uh, which was uh, I thought I had the big news that day and was totally wrong. Um, so we stopped traveling. We moved back to Chicago. Uh, and now we have uh, two little girls uh, and have gone full suburban. So we've got the, you know, the two kids, the yard, uh, and no dog, uh, unfortunately. Not, at least not yet. Um, but, um, uh, and so I'm very invested in when I'm not doing software things uh, here in the city. Uh, I do a lot of work. Uh, in the community, in the childhood education space. So most of the nonprofit work that I do on a few different boards is always uh, focused on on children's education. Uh, and I think that part of me being a dad has just kind of seeped into other areas of my professional development and, and my philanthropic life, which is uh, really fun. Yeah, no, amazing. And I, I do relate. I don't have two daughters. I got one daughter, three years old, and uh, I could see how my life may align to, you know, a lot of what you're saying and some of my outside of work um, and where mm -hmm. my passion started laying. And, and, and you're just getting to the good part. Three years old is fun because you start being able to read like books with plot device and you start getting to, you know, into like more fun stories. You start watching movies together. Uh, yeah, it's, it's fun times. Let me tell you. Yeah. Maybe like six months, maybe you'll be able to walk past Walgreens and you'll go through a whole aisle where you need nothing. It's wonderful. <laughs> like yeah, I don't yeah. need diapers, I don't need wipes, I don't need changing things, I don't need any bottles, or like there's a whole aisle. You're just like, nope. Uh, and that's probably one of the best feelings you can have. Well, I'm uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited about that. Um, let's get into you know what you are currently doing. If you could tell us what is Table XI all about? Tell us um, maybe what your role is, your responsibilities, and maybe this is winded, but what are you trying to accomplish over the next little while? So uh, I am the CEO at Table XI. We are a custom software design and development company. Uh, so we have about 50 people here in Chicago, and we help a lot of companies to build things that are really custom that they would have. Uh, they need a partner like us to help concept and to deliver. Um, so that could be a mobile application, that could be a chat bot, uh, that could be a web app of some sort. Um, so we've gotten to help a lot of, especially in Chicago, this is where we're from, uh, the Natural History Museum. It's called the Field Museum here in Chicago. Uh, we've worked with the Journal for American Medicine, do a lot of healthcare work in Chicago. Um, we worked very closely with Roger Ebert, who's one of uh, Chicago's natives, very well-known author and film critic. Um, so we've had a chance to work with some really incredible local folks. Um, but as the company is now entering its, uh, its 18th year, it's 18 years old. Wow. Think about it. My, my company can drive uh, and can be drafted and can smoke cigarettes. It's nuts. Um, <laughs> uh, we have an 18-year-old baby. Uh, and so now as, you know, as the company has grown, we've done work in Singapore, in London, in Tokyo. Um, uh, so we've had a chance to, in New York, like just really see the, the brand grow and uh, they get the, the kinds of clients we get to work with has expanded quite a bit. Uh, and so that's something I'm very excited about. Um, uh, I like to travel, as you probably can tell. Uh, and so last year, we got a chance to start working with, do you know, uh, like Fromer is the travel company. They write really great travel books. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think I have one or two of them in my uh, in my um, 
in my library right now. Yeah, uh, they're a great company. And so Pauline Fromer called me and said, hey, can we talk? And I was like, yes, yes, we can. And we will exchange work for travel books. I would love the advice. Um, She got to help me plan my my first overseas trip with the girls to London, um, which is really fun. Uh, So we we get to work with some really cool people uh, on, on custom software design. Yeah, no, and and I'm sure you and I, me being um, a software engineer by education, could probably bore the hell out of our our listeners just talking and, and digging deep into some of the projects that you're you're going in because that's the stuff I, I I really love to hear about and stuff. But I guess I on that note, is there any super exciting project? And I know you just mentioned the Fromers, but is there like one that really like wow, this is some new stuff we're working on? Um. There are a couple of things that I get pretty excited about. Uh, there's one in particular that was just a really unique challenge. Um, so we were working with a nonprofit that was trying to figure out how to get more people to the polls in voting season mm-hmm. uh, and specifically focusing on those that have different kinds of disabilities. And so as you think about your typical design patterns, you have to think about how do you help people that have you know hearing impairments or sight impairments. Uh, and you have to think about how you design an application that can help lots of different kinds of users. Uh, And I think for a long time, people in our industry have been focusing on the user experience side. Uh, But to really examine what that means and think about what user experience means and think about the accessibility of what you're putting out there uh, is a great challenge. Um, And something that, especially as we get into voting season, was something that people were very passionate about. Yeah. Um, so I get, I mean, obviously the business, there are times when you need those big, you know, Fortune 50 clients, and you get to say, like, yeah, you know, we're working with Tyson Foods and, you know, some of these amazing global brands. Uh, but it's nice when you get to work with smaller companies as well. In this case, we're working with the executive director of a nonprofit uh, and a really interesting challenge. Um, so I like that we get to, you know, get to work with really closely with business owners as well. Um, that was a particularly difficult and fun challenge, specifically thinking through the kind of the user accessibility issues. Yeah, no, that, that, that's really interesting and just got me thinking in terms of, that user experience space and thinking outside of the box, as you said, in terms of accessibility, because um, you know, many of those in the software field, the friends and colleagues, you know, when they think about user experience, and for those who are listening, um, user experience is basically how you you know interact with a particular solution or product or not. Um, may not even be thinking about accessibility at this point, depending on who their target market is. So that, that that's that's super interesting. Just even me, as as you were saying that, I was thinking about, wow, that's a, a whole new aspect of user experience that um, could could be a could be a niche. To be quite honest, <laughs> it's becoming yeah. The focus of accessibility is, is a very very important topic in our industry. So it's, it's becoming um, like a lot of especially people with public facing sites have, uh, you know, there's litigation happening where people are saying, I can't use your product. Uh, so it's very important people think about the entirety of the user experience. Uh, and so accessibility is something that's pretty, pretty important in the industry. Um, this last year, it's gotten a lot of attention, a lot of focus. Yeah, um, no, th- th- Those kind of projects I, I get very excited about. Um, and I think anytime when we get to really help people uncover what the need is. Uh, so Everyone has their own four-letter words. Um, in our business, the biggest four-letter word for us is just. Uh, whenever you hear that word, that's when I get nervous. I'm like, oh, this is not going to be a good client or a good project. Uh, so if someone says, like, I've done all the thinking. I just need you to build this thing. Or I just need – I already have a team of five. I just need two more. Uh, that's a signal that this is not going to be an appealing opportunity. Uh, so, you know, everyone has their own triggers. Uh, I think that's one of mine. 
I love that, actually. I never heard that before, Mark. I appreciate you saying that. I think in the next seven days, I'm going to be keeping my ear out for those four-letter words that start with J. <laughs> yeah, it means, I mean, honestly, it means to some degree someone's not valuing the work that they're asking you for or they're not uh, recognizing the, uh, the difficulty or the value in it. It's just something they want to get taken care of or they want to go away. Um, so whenever you hear someone use the word just, it's a trigger that there's a sense of uh, maybe a lack of understanding, a lack of value, at least I pick up on. So yeah, whenever I hear that, that's always my, my, my trigger that like maybe we should not be working together. Uh, this, is, this might not be a good fit. No, oh, that's amazing. And, 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 you know, keeping that ear out for that and really understanding that in conversation is, is highly important. Mark, I, I want to change gears um, in terms of understanding, you know, how you've grown this business. It's 18-year-old business. It's ready to, ready to grow. And as it grown and scaled, I'm sure you had yourself personally had to change in terms of the way you started it up. You grew as a manager, you grew up as a leader. So I'm wondering if there are particular things that you did in the past or maybe presently that allow you to continually grow as a business leader. Um, so in all candor, I want to say I joined the business after it had been going for about 10 years. I joined as the COO about eight years ago and took on the CEO role about two years ago. And so I've seen the company change dramatically in, in the, you know, the, the time I've been here, although it's definitely changed you know, even more since the founding. Um, and uh, I'm going through one of those kind of moments right now. Uh, so it's funny that you asked that. Um, we're talking about how do we grow and scale in terms of you know, the business and the impact we're having in the industry. And uh, I'm being confronted with my own, honest, my own limitations in the role that I have as CEO. Um, so we actually brought in uh, a coach to help us think through our approach towards a growth and our growth, you know, towards sales and client work. Uh, mm -hmm. And we did a kind of personality assessment. Um, are you familiar with something called the DISC score? Yes, <laughs> very familiar. So we did that and we talked to the sales coach about how we're approaching things and sat down. This just happened yesterday. So, man, you're getting like a really raw answer here. But I got both barrels full in the face of like, here's where you are strong. And man, these are areas where you are deficient, where you're going to have a hard time in a sales capacity, which is a large yeah. part of what I do. Um, and when you get that kind of like blunt feedback from a dispassionate third party, you know, in this case, coach we brought in, in front of your peers, it's, it's one of those moments where you kind of go into your lizard brain and yes. you're kind of, you know, fight or flight a little bit. And, there's two things you can do. You can either take that kind of feedback and retreat to a place of competence and be like, no, I'm good at this. And there's things I've done and I've grown this business. Or you can try to lean into, again, it's a bit of a trigger moment where you're being uh, exposed for the things that you are just not inherently good at um, and trying to lean into that and say, you know, tell me more. How do I either delegate those responsibilities to others or focus on the areas where I have unique value? Um, and it's something that in the moment it's, you know, whenever someone kind of doesn't sucker punch you, but they give you really blunt feedback on like, you were just not this person. This is something that you're not going to do well at. Um, it's hard to take that. And so a big part of my personal growth is I think about, you know, where's our business going and how do we get to the next 18 years and continue to grow and expand the brand? Um, there are roles where I am uniquely suited and there are roles where I'm uniquely unqualified. And I think the thing that got us here, you know, is not going to be what gets us to the next stage. And there are things I have to let go of to let people who are better suited take them over. 
And that's hard to recognize when you've been a CEO. It's hard to recognize in a small business to let go um, and uh, to really confront some of those inner demons around, you know, what I'm good at, what I'm not good at. Um, so uh, literally yesterday was when I was going through this evaluation with my team, with a coach, and having to recognize that, man, uh, I am not the person for this very important role. Uh, and there are other things, other places I can create value, but this is not going to be one of them. Uh, so it's, uh, it's a learning. I'm trying to really lean into it as a learning opportunity, as opposed to, you know, retreating back to that place of competence where I pat myself on the back for the, you know, for the eight years of success I've had here. Um, it's a, uh, it's a, I will say like, it's a hard, it's a really hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, first off, um, thank you for sharing that. I mean, this is a really important situation that you're going through as the business leader, as the, the lead of the organization and being open to hearing this. So first off, um, cause I, I love that. It's so fresh actually, Mark. So, um, first off, like what, brought the coach in like was that a specific to the board or is it something like hey listen we need to we need some consultants to help us grow to where we need to go like where where did that decision come from and, and how long did that take for you to execute to bring them in to it sounds like it's is it for your whole team your whole executive team or is yeah, it so we did an evaluation with not just myself we did it with uh, other people in the organization who have a role to play either in the in the sales or marketing of the company and we're trying to think about what's the best way for us to to work together as a team and it became apparent to many people in the company that there are things that bring me energy and there's other things that don't. And sometimes, honestly, when you're CEO, like you jump into where you're needed, you do everything, yeah. um, anything. Um, and there were you know, aspects of the role in sales that I uh, am not always enjoying. And I think I have no poker face, like literally no poker face. So people know when I'm happy or when I'm not. Um, and this was an area where we said, we should really do this kind of a step back and think about where we can double down on our strengths and where we should, you know, be rethinking about who does what. Um, so we, that was the, the kind of the impetus was to bring in someone to help us do this. And I had not taken one of these kinds of assessments in a very long time. Right. Um, uh, so it was interesting. And so like to be, uh, you know, candid, um, I, uh, I like to be liked as a leader. Um, and that's difficult in a sales role because you have to be told no a lot. Um, I find it uncomfortable talking about money, which is important in sales to understand the budget and to drive home the need to talk about ROI. Um, uh, and uh, I think I like to talk too much, which means I probably don't listen as much as I should. Uh, and so there are like certain core personality traits that are going to be, uh, and the other thing is I'm not uh, fiscally motivated. I'm not economically motivated. Right. Um, and so there are just things that, as a core part of my, uh, of my personality that don't lend themselves well to that. Uh, but it's really good for other parts of our business. And so, you know, when you ask, what are you, what are you trying to do to grow? As a leader, I'm trying to delegate the things that I'm just not going to be good at and accept that I'm good at other things um, uh, and try to uh, not retreat back to that area of comfortable competence, if that makes sense, where I've, where I've done well in the past, but really stretch to be a different kind of person going forward. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, that, that, it's an amazing exercise, and I love that you're doing it with, you, you know, key parts of your organization. What are the next steps as you and the team finding out everyone's, I guess, special um, strengths um, and weaknesses? Like, what's the next steps? Because this is obviously going to be an ongoing process. Like, I almost want to sit down with you again in like six months. It's so amazing. <laughs> yeah, it would be interesting. Um, well, one of the first things I'm doing uh, is, uh, so once a year, 
uh, I lead a group of uh, executives and leaders on what's called uh, on a long day hike. Uh, we call it a workshop rather than a workshop. Um, so where you get out from behind the desk and you spend the entire day on your feet walking. Uh, so you're not trapped behind uh, a desk and, you know, typing or being interrupted by Slack or Twitter. You get like some dedicated time away. Um, so as luck would have it, I'm leaving in about 12 hours to go to Italy. Cool. Um, and we're doing this long five-day hike with other CEOs, other leaders. And so I get some time to pa- unpack some of this and, and talk it out with some other really smart people in the industry, mm-hmm. um, which I greatly value to have that. You know, it's a good gift for myself to get that kind of time away. So I'll come back from the workshop with some hopeful ideas um, and some new thoughts around where I want to delegate and how I want to structure uh, the management team around my strengths and, frankly, weaknesses. Um, and then part of that is uh, taking other people through similar kinds of assessments, but also rolling out a bit of a training around how we think about the growth side of the business so that we all talk and kind of think about that in the same way, that we have a common vocabulary. Um, what you typically find in businesses like ours is you have a lot of people who come up through the ranks of software deliveries. So they know a lot about doing project work and they know a lot about delivering software and they probably know little about sales and marketing. And so having us all go through a similar process and knowing the same vocabulary and thinking about how do you qualify and how do you propose, there are a lot of things in there that'll be good to have a kind of common structure around. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's going to be some element of building that shared muscle across the company, as well as having that uh, better focus on how we can capitalize on our strengths. But yeah. Yeah. Um, the most important thing for me right now is actually taking a full step back. We're going to be, I'll be gone for the next week yeah. uh, with, with these other CEOs and, and talking things through. Well, talk to me about that real quick, because I did find that you co-founded this uh, this initiative called Walkshop. And I just wanted just a quick, it doesn't necessarily have to be the elevator pitch, but understanding why you know our listeners, our emerging business leaders, or whether they're executives or not, why you think it's important to, and I know you quickly mentioned it, getting up from behind your desk, but I mean, this is like a retreat, right? Yeah. And, and, and what was the, why, why did you start this? And, and was it more for yourself or I'll let you get into it yourself? Well, I kind of started that way a little bit. So, I mean, two years ago, as I took on the CEO role, I have never been a CEO before. Uh, and I've, you know, if you come in from a COO perspective, you're thinking about how do I make next quarter's numbers? Mm-hmm. Not, you know, where are we going to be in 10 years? And you think about what is everyone doing uh, not like, why are we even doing it? What's our purpose as a company? Like you, you start thinking and being asked very different kinds of things. That, that little acronym shift from, from COO to CEO had a pretty big impact on how I was thinking about the business, even though I've been here for a long time. I just, you know, I didn't realize how much I needed to be thinking about things in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I gave myself initially this gift of time. I invited in this case, initially it was, uh, it was 10 folks. So five men, five women. And we planned out this trip through Scotland um, and because I'm not in good physical shape, I found a service that would carry our bags for us. So you'd literally go off on a walk in the woods, you know, end up at a little bed and breakfast uh, after a full day of hiking and your bags would all be there magically waiting for you. Um, and you'd have this really dedicated time to ask people. And I could ask, like, what are my first hundred days going to look like? Oh, wow. And we didn't actually talk about sales or marketing or how to capture and grow talent. People were talking about um, how do you handle that philanthropic side of your life? Almost all of us are on boards of some kind. Uh, mm-hmm. So how do you balance that with your professional development? How do you handle stress? 
how do you spend time with two little kids while also taking care of, you know, 50 kids in the office? Like, you know, how do you try to support the growing needs of both of those things? Yeah. Um, there was a lot of, and so what happens, people got so much out of having that time together. They asked like, okay, well, when are you doing the next one? And I had to, you know, kind of like, no, 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 no. I have my own company to run. I'm not a travel agent. Uh, but it was such a, people got so much out of it. They were like, well, we'll do, we'll do another one. We'll do one more. And this time 15 people wanted to go. People were hearing about it. And from, we posted the photos. And I think a lot of us are like, man, I could really use some time away where I'm not with kids and I'm not with my employees. I guess I want some time to sit and think about what I'm doing next. Um, and so now 15 people went to the black forest of Germany last year. Uh, and again, to have that kind of time to think, uh, because you, you, you do have different ideas when you're on your feet all day. I mean, think about where you are right now. Um, I can't see you of course, but if you're listening to this, my guess is you're sitting down either in a commute or behind your desk, uh, and your mind is probably going a million miles an hour with all the things you're trying to think about and do, and you're rather sedentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and you will have different ideas and different thoughts when your mind is focused on one thing like dinner is eight hours that way and your feet are doing all the work. Um, and when the trails are really wide, you know, you have like, you know, four or five people talking together and then the trail gets narrow and you kind of pair off one by one. Um, and you just, you get a different level of conversation. That first day is a lot of the, you know, where do you work? What do you do? But by the second day where you're hiking, you know, 30,000 steps together, you really get to know people and you get to unpack stuff and you get to get their advice. And, uh, so I found it to be, uh, just incredibly insightful for me to get some, distance from the day-to-day and some time to think about what I want to do in my own career. That gift of time is something that I don't think enough of us give each other. Like you don't block dedicated chunks of time just to think um, and not be busy sending emails or sending invoices or, you know, being on Slack or Twitter. Um, So it's a, especially in a moment like this where I've got a lot to unpack, uh, having a week where I am allowed to just think is one of the best gifts I've ever given myself. Question, do you have a clear vision of where and how to grow your business? Do you understand how the workforce will look like in the future? As we prepare for the growing gig economy and remote workforce, it is important to understand that you are working with a communications provider that can help you get there. Slingshot understands the growing needs of business leaders and works closely with them to ensure that their communications infrastructure is aligned to their vision and growth plans of the future. To learn more, go to slingshotvoip.com. I thought it was super amazing sort of initiative in terms of just getting you and sort of like a, a traveling hiking mastermind together. I mean, that's really, that's really unique, really cool. And, and maybe it will inspire some of our listeners to do that within their own community or within their own peer group, uh, just to, just to do something different. And like you said, give that gift of, uh, give that gift of time. Right. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and learn from there. Um, we actually turned it into a, like, we actually hired a CEO and she's now turning it into a business. Cause again, I have my own business to run, but there's been so much interest and in people wanting to go on these and to meet, you know, designers and entrepreneurs and executives from other places that, you know, people they could learn from that next year, there are multiple hikes being organized that she's doing. Uh, and this is actually now the walk shop. You can actually go to walkshop.io, but you can see that there are multiple of these happening now. And I might not go to all of them. I might only go one a year, but I, I love the fact that, there are people that are going to be doing this for their own professional development. 
um, challenging themselves physically, but also you know mentally to get that time. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it takes off. We've had more interest than we could possibly fulfill. So it's been nice to kind of hand the reins over to the CEO and she's going to run it and, and turn it into a neat opportunity for folks. Very cool. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited to check it out excited to share as well. Uh, Mark, as as you're growing the organization, looking how to scale to the next level now, now that you're in the driver's seat, I, I actually wanted to get your thoughts um, because it's something that goes um, in the minds of many CEOs when it comes to creating that culture, that culture of growth. And I, I, I'm probably, you know, a lot of this exercise that you're doing is helping that as well in terms of the mindsets of your of your of your group, but I'd love to get your thoughts on, on that. Um, when it comes to, you know, skill sets, um, resources, people. Um, well, I think one of the first things to think about is how do you, how do you better, uh, understand the, the growth desires of the people on your team and really lean into that. Uh, so I don't know if you're familiar with a, a process called a sticky note game. Uh, it's one that, we talk about a lot, but it's one of the very first things we do with people as they join the company. Uh, and it's how we think about and how we fuel the growth of the people, not just me, uh, can, but everyone in the company. Can you explain real quickly what the sticky note uh, exercise is? Yeah. So actually it started off as, uh, as an onboarding technique. Um, so if you think about like, what's the best way to onboard someone, what would you say? Like, what are the common techniques you see people do when they really want to onboard? Well, um, you would, Bring them around, show them, give them a mentor. Um, I'm probably not the best suited in terms of all the onboarding <laughs> situations, but these are, these are things that I've seen in my career. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's some typical patterns we see. Uh, like the, there's one school of thought that says you want them to have a lot of context. So you're going to tell them all about the history of the company and how it got started. You're going to show them the work that you've done so they can explain all the war stories. They're going to really understand like how things have been done. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think like, listen, that's important, but that's not the best way to onboard someone. Um, and then the next thing I've heard is like, no, you really want to focus on belonging. And so you want them to have someone meet them at the elevator that first day and show them around. They need to have someone that's like an onboarding buddy. They get the company sweatshirt on day one. And again, like all of those things are really important, uh, but also not the most important. Um, we developed the sticky note game because we found it to be the most important thing that is, uh, that is required and the successful onboarding of someone to your company is proper expectation setting and really defining what success looks like. Oh, wow. Every time someone gets together, you know, the business has some hope, some expectation of what this person will do. And the other person also has a career that they've been building this whole time. There's things that they want to accomplish. And so one of the first things we would do is go through the sticky note game to help map that out. And so the sticky note game is facilitated where everyone starts in utter silence in a meeting and the person coming in will have one color sticky note and there'll be two people from the business in, in a second color. Mm -hmm. uh, typically it'll be someone that it'll maybe their peer level and someone else that might be someone a bit more senior than they are. And you ask, uh, what would it look like to, if you were to say fast forward time, it's six months from now when you look back and you can say, man, you just crushed those last six months. What did that look like? What happened? Uh, you know, what experiences did you have? What does that un like unparalleled success look like? And then people spend five minutes in silence writing things down one item per sticky note. And then you start putting them up on the board to see where there's overlap. Mm -hmm. um, and what you might find is the business, like maybe the person says, I ran the Chicago Marathon and I was out of here at 3.30 every day so I can meet up with my morning group. And that was really great that I could really make that life goal happen. 
And for us to recognize that work-life balance issue that they need to be out of the office midday for a while is probably not the project to be on with Singapore, where there's a crazy overlap, you know, imbalance. Um, or for us, we say, like, you got up and gave uh, a great talk at Go to Chicago, this large technical conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and they might say, oh, my God, uh, I had no idea you expected me to do public speaking. That's not a thing I do. Um, and so teasing out what those expectations look like, sometimes there's a lot of overlap with the two color kind of overlap. And then sometimes you see these kind of unique sections of, of sticky notes with one color without the other color represented where someone had a different definition for success and being really explicit about that helps people know what the goalposts are. It helps them really know what success looks like. Um, and as a CEO, I can step back and look at everyone's sticky note game and say like, wow, five people want to get better at facilitation and three of them want to learn JavaScript and two of them want to have a chance to travel internationally and allows me to think about what investments I can make in my business to get the most out of people. Um, but I think for a company that really focuses on growth of human capital and, and, and development, intentional development in people, the sticky note game is one of the easiest things because it's not a heavyweight HR process and you're not buying a bunch of software and you're not asking someone an impossible question like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Or what do you want to be in 10 years? I find those are very difficult to answer and frankly, it causes people to shut down more than it does to generate creative thought. Right. There's something very nice. It's just, I mean, it, you're sitting down with Sharpies and stickies. It's very easy to quickly start generating concepts. Um, so we've been doing that. It started off as this onboarding technique. And now we do it every six months. Everyone in the company, CEO on down thinks about where they're going with their career and what, what, what should success look like six months from now and how, you know, what, what do you need to be successful? Uh, so I think there's a, we do a lot of thinking about that kind of way of growing people that we can capitalize on that, uh, that, that kind of innate enthusiasm for career development. No, that's great. Well, thank you for sharing the sticky note exercise. I think, I think uh, that's something that, like you said, could be implemented at any time, even tomorrow, you know, after you listen to this and, and, really set expectations and understand the people around your team, whether they're, you're just onboarding them, right, Mark, or it's someone yeah. who's been there for a while. Really? If you want, like, that's actually something that um, we actually, we, we wrote it down. We, we give a lot of talks at conferences around professional development and personal development. So if you go to stickynote.game, there's a whole site that explains how to facilitate it uh, and how to run it and the supplies you need and like how you uh, digitize it afterward. There's a lot of, you know, helpful hints on how to roll out that kind of a process because uh, as you say, it's something that anyone can do. This is not like you don't have to buy software for this. It's amusing. Like the two of the things I'm we're talking about that I'm most excited about right now as a software guy are totally non, analog experience, non software at all, and yeah. walk, and walking. <laughs> yeah, go for a walk in the woods and buy a lot of sharpies and stickies. I um, love- I uh, love but it. Yes. I also build software for a living, but no, that's not so far what we're talking about. Yeah, no, amazing. Well, I mean, this is the beauty of the, you know, talking about the person and the business leader is really understanding and taking them away from the product and the services and really the essence of, of you know, how to lead and how to grow as well. I wanted to just real quickly get your thoughts on, you know, fostering um, being in technology, like fostering that culture of innovation and experimentation um, that, that you must have within an organization like yours? It's vital in our line of work to be always thinking about um, the capabilities of your team and the kind of service offerings you provide and how you invest in innovation because, I mean, technology is changing all the time. Um, And so to be in a consulting model where you're providing value to your clients, you need to be aware of what technology is capable of and, and staying abreast of those changes. So the concept of innovation uh, is super relevant in our line of work. And uh, so we think about like, you know, when you have a company culture, 
your company culture is whether you're investing in it or not, it exists. And so as a CEO, you want to think about how do you intentionally develop a culture that supports innovation and, and encourages those new ideas? Um, that is one of the most important things. I don't, sometimes I think people misunderstand the role mm-hmm. and they assume that to be innovative, you have to hire like a Steve Jobs and there's what the magic happened. Like, I don't think that's what innovation is. Um, I think the role of the C-suite is to foster the kind of environment where people can be innovative and they can be uh, risk-taking and experimental in the work that they do. Um, and I don't think that it's my job as a CEO to be the luminary that like Steve Jobs where everyone gets out of my way. And then I just you know tell them what the new future will look like. Um, who, I mean, who wants that kind of pressure uh, that you know, there's no way that anyone else would feel autonomy or, or the creative spirit of everyone just dedicated all of the innovation insights to a guy or a gal at the top of the food chain. Mm-hmm. So uh Anyway, so I, I fundamentally disagree with a lot of people when they're like, oh, that's why we have a CIO. We have this chief innovation officer. It's their job. No, I think the C-suite's job, uh, any leader's job is to create that company culture. So what do you do? How do you actually foster that? I would say there are three things I would highly encourage people to, to think about, maybe four. Mm-hmm. Um, so one is you have to be able to embrace failure. Um that is a, a part, it's the CD underbelly of innovation. You can't have innovation without the opportunity to, to, for things not to work. Um, and if you have a company culture where people fear blame, they fear like every project has to be a win. There's no opportunity to recognize the lessons learned from failure. Um, you have a real problem. Um, so you see this a lot in company cultures and there are ways like every, every three months when we get together as a company uh, for a company, all hands, I will talk about the three biggest mistakes I made since the last time we got together. Um, I love that. <laughs> I know I'm making the failures I make are way more expensive than anybody else's. And if I can talk about that, other people can talk about, yeah, I made this mistake. This didn't work, but here's what I learned from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the hopes that you make, you know, you don't make the same mistake twice. And the next time you just fail faster, you don't not try to fail to begin with. Um, so failure has to be celebrated, recognized, even encouraged for you to have an innovative culture. Um, I think point two is that you need to have an inclusive culture. You need people's ideas to be heard and you need to have an, an office where people feel like uh, you will get diverse opinions and those opinions will have a voice. If, again, you have only innovations coming from the C-suite or only from the innovation role and people don't feel like they have an opportunity to be included in that, um, the lack of an inclusive culture will kill innovation. Uh, especially if everyone thinks the same. So you have to really think about when people talk about diversity inclusion in the office space, it is not just a good human practice. It is a straight up important business practice to have an innovative company culture that yields higher returns. Uh, So really thinking about how people feel included and when their voices are being heard is incredibly important. Right. Uh, I think the third thing, uh, especially as you're trying to develop uh, a more inclusive culture is to think about how you can use those two first things around celebrating failure and having voices being heard and build uh, what I would call an experiment based culture. So rather than always having like massive initiatives, you want to build an opportunity where people feel comfortable having a go at something. Uh, So you might not make a change that affects every single employee or every single client, but you have an opportunity where someone's like, yeah, I'm going to have a go at something uh, and I'm going to try this. And if it works well, great. I'll roll it out to another client. And if it doesn't work out, we'll kill it and try something else. Uh, but I think sometimes people fear innovation because it's such a huge, it's considered to be this huge change across the entire company and you need to be able to uh, make room for experimentation. So 
I would say inclusion and failure are not enough. You have to build in a company culture where people uh, understand the experiments you have and are encouraged, like have a go at trying something new um, as opposed to like always doing things the same way. Um, uh, and I think the last thing you need is complete transparency around that. Yeah. What are the things you're trying? What are the things that have failed? Uh, what are, like, we have a radar that shows all the experiments we're doing in the company right now. And we show you know, whether they're just in the assessment phase or whether they're in the experiment phase or the rolled out phase. Uh, but you want to be able to have people understand. Otherwise, that can lead to chaos of like, oh, my God, things are constantly changing. I have no idea what's going on. Uh, so I think that uh, encouragement towards experimentation, but tracking the efficacy of those experiments and visualizing some kind of radar, like these are the things we're having a go at, will really start to breed that uh, experimentation-based culture uh, that yields the really necessary innovations that we need. Yeah, no, I mean, that that's great. I really appreciate you sharing down in terms of like, Really breaking it down in a thoughtful process into that four-step process of of building that that culture of innovation and, and allowing people not only to fail, be open, inclusive. I mean that that's all awesome stuff. I'm I'm really having Mark. I'm really having an amazing time. I think. I mean, I, I could I could see where some of your walks could get really helpful when you're around a group of people. But before we end our conversation, I'd love it if you could. Share something that's really going on right now, some new projects, anything that you're really excited about, um, maybe that um, that you're losing sleep over at this point. <laughs> um, let's see, things I'm excited about and things I'm losing sleep over. Sometimes they're the same thing. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so things I'm excited about. Um, I think there is an industry change happening uh, that I'm particularly excited about. Um, I would say if you went back 10 years ago, mm-hmm. maybe even five years ago, uh, really big fortune 500, you know, fortune 50 companies wouldn't work with, uh, what I would call these kind of small, more you know, nimble experts in the field. They would want to work with a large cap Gemini's or, you know, Accenture's of the world. And the idea of a large fortune 50 client coming to someone like table XI, would be kind of unheard of. Mm -hmm. And I think what people are seeing in the industry is having uh, someone who really can jump in, provide value quickly without having multiple layers of account management, senior management, client principles, like all the bloat that comes with that, or that you pay for a very expensive PowerPoint deck at the end of an engagement and nothing else. You know, I think there's been a lot of people recognizing the value of working with, um, uh, these small teams of experts that can come in and provide value quickly. Uh, that's a change in the industry. So even people like Forrester and Gartner are now doing research on companies uh, at our size and seeing the, the expertise that TableXI brings. Uh, and so I like that. Uh, that's not obviously just affecting us. It's affecting a, a lot of companies that are really good in this uh, mid-sized market that you have the opportunity, you know, for us, it's working with people like, Tyson Foods and with Ocean Spray or like Northwestern University and Dartmouth University. And you get to work with some really great organizations um, where they want uh, value, but they also want to not have, you know, million dollar PowerPoints. Uh, So I think that's a really exciting thing where people are getting to understand uh, and work with smaller businesses um, and kind of see the value from that. Even like I said, even people as conservatives, Gartner and Forrester are paying attention to, to that side of the marketplace. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, uh, so that's something I think is an industry change, which is uh, unlocking a lot of value for a lot of companies, not just table XI. And and that's good news 
in the sense that both from the large enterprise organization and for the smaller folks, like quote unquote, smaller, nimble companies that are able to get into interesting projects as well, right? That maybe were untouchable, like you said, five, 10 years ago. Mark, I love it. Um, I mean, to close, this is we have so much information to share on the episode page, so I'm super excited to share this this episode. But can you share with us where we can find more information about you, um, I guess, where you'll be speaking, Table XI, or anything else you'd like to share with us today? Yeah. Um, well, uh, I think I said, if you're interested in going and giving yourself that gift of time, you're more than welcome to check out the workshop um, at walkshop.io and see about the hikes and who's going on them and all that. Um, we'll be posting pictures from Tuscany here pretty soon. Um, uh, obviously, you can read a lot about uh, the art of software design, design thinking, and, and software development at TableXI. And I do a lot of writing and publishing on LinkedIn around those kinds of topics as well. Um, and then uh, in Chicago, I'm actually running, there's a masterclass coming up in November uh, about design thinking. Uh, so I'll be talking a lot about how that affects the decision-making process and how people use uh, user research and rapid prototyping to, to help uncover new needs in their business. So uh, I'll be on stage at that uh, and then probably back in New York sometime for a talk later on in November. Um, uh, so a couple different places, but I think for the most part, especially as we get closer to the holidays uh, after Italy, I'm going to be here in Chicago for a good long time. Amazing. Mark, I really appreciate your time for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. No worries. Thanks for having me. That's it, Biz Leaders. Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Business Leadership Podcast. This was episode 130 with Mark Rickmeyer. If you want to learn more about Mark, Table XI, or anything else that we discuss, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 130. Please join me on my private Facebook group where I will discuss this episode. I'll answer your questions and connect you with other like-minded business leaders. Simply search for the Business Leadership Group directly in the Facebook. Thank you again to Slingshot, a leader in business VoIP communications, a company that understands strategic growth which aligns with your vision and goals of the future. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe, rate, and leave a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening today. Thank you again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Thank you.